Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Deep Cuts, Lost and Found. This is round number 34. We are doing a theme show tonight. It is album openers, songs that begin albums that we think are really special and unique. And we'll talk a little bit about why we selected these album openers. I'm here with my very best friends from Needham High School. We all graduated together back in 1987. We've been sharing music for a number of decades and we're sharing them now with you. Welcome to the show. I'm here with uh, Chris Nashawadi, who's coming back to us after a couple weeks away. Welcome uh, back. Derek Rain, Bill Federko, Rich Eyre, myself, Thomas Golovich. Uh, how was it being away from us? Did you miss us at all? Uh, obviously, the place fell apart without me. So, um, <laughs> really so glad to I mean, I'm happy to be back, but obviously you guys should be happy to have me back after uh, what yeah. I heard from 1999. Jesus. Yeah, the debacle of 1999. Yeah, it was tremendously uh, yeah. fun. It was. I've been waiting for the stinks to kind of wear off. He even skipped 2000. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I moved cross country, so uh, I've been sort of preoccupied. But I'm really happy to be back for this show, which I I think right now it's. I think this is shaping up to be my favorite theme show. I really like. Wow. This advanced praise let's talk about the theme so we talked a little bit about album openers like what is it about an album opener that is important like what is it that a band should be thinking about when they're doing an album opener to make the album resonant for you i don't know that they should be thinking about anything necessarily i think it just happens in some cases it's a way of announcing like who the band is and what their mission statement is and like throwing down the gauntlet like here we are i'm thinking about like running with the devil you know what i mean or something right. like that with van halen's first album I think it's a chance to set the mood, set the tone for, for what, you know, the next hour. And I think most of the choices that we'll make tonight will sort of prove that. Yeah. It's it's funny because a fair amount of the time, my favorite song is not always the first song on a record. The first song is super important to me in the respect that I am a, a very impatient listener. I know right away whether a band is going to stick for me. I'm, I'm like sort of one of those people that doesn't really allow a lot of things to grow on me sometimes. Like I just, I, I kind of make snap judgments about whether I really like something or not. And it's always worked for me. I mean, I, I love what I love, but I'm Stick not necessarily got. patient. So, you know, how a band is, you know, in that first song on that first record is kind of critically important to to a, a listener like myself. Note to musicians, crank up the guitars on track one. <laughs> if you want Derek on your team. out. <laughs> yeah, album listening to me is also really a special thing. and. It's a little bit like a movie, right? Like when you watch a movie and it grabs you from the, the opening moments, it just establishes like you could have a truly sublime experience. Whereas 
you know, if I'm not sure if I'm enjoying a film and I'm about 15 minutes into it or not, then it takes a while to really be able to win me over by the end. And with an album, I love it when a record gets me from the first moment and I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to see where this takes me. And to me, like that's such an exciting part of an album opener is just being able to pick the right tone to start the experience and let people know it's going to be something special. Yeah, it sets the scene. This whole idea, though, that we're discussing is is a little bit nostalgic and outdated, too. I mean, like, That's I mean, the, the show in itself is sort of nostalgic. Like, <laughs> and outdated. But, you know, just the whole concept of an album. Right, right. And, like, you know, the order of tracks is, like, and, and no one really does that that much these days. I mean, it's, like, directors who shoot on film as opposed to digital. I mean, there are a few but like in general, that's not people think in terms of singles and like streaming individual songs, not listening to the entirety of a record. It's killed song sequencing. Yeah. But bands, I mean, but bands still think about that. They still think about how they want to sequence their the bands their we records like, maybe. Bands, yeah, they really think about how they want to deliver an album. I mean, I would hope they do. But people's listening habits certainly aren't geared towards the sort of full album listening uh and sort of you know the way people listening including myself these days you know our whole experience growing up was kind of like you go to the record store and you you pick out that album sometimes just for the album cover you sure. might have heard about it but you go and you, you buy this album cover for whatever reason you've heard about it you take it home unwrap it look at it you've got the liner notes all that stuff and then you put on side one listen to the first song and that's what sets the hook. Doesn't happen Absolutely. on every album. Doesn't happen. It's like very small percentage. But I knew, you know, when we were doing this, I thought of two albums right off the top of my head that set the hook. And then, you know, doing a little bit more research. There's so many. There are so many options. This is a really fun theme. I'm back to Nash's comment. I think this was a this is one of the funnest themes we've done. You're declaring it the best show we've done. Yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Too, <laughs> yeah, too we have to do the. We actually have to do the work yeah. now. Chris, why don't you? Why don't you open it up? Why don't you? Uh, I was yeah. hoping you'd say yeah, that. Yeah, I, I have a feeling I might have just screwed myself, but let's hear what you get. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was hoping you'd say that because I think not only does this set the tone for the band because this was off their first album, it sets the tone for their their career, their first album. To me, the greatest debut album of all time, and hopefully, it sets the tone for the rest of the show. Uh, wow. It's the cars let the good times roll. Deep cuts.
it just holds up so beautifully. It's just amazing. It's, I mean, I always think of like the Cars' first album as like one of those fundamental moments of me realizing how much music meant to me because it showed up in my youth. It was a record I loved to listen to. I listened to it over and over and over again, and it made me feel special. It made me feel like the world understood me. Yeah, there, and there's also so just not a bad song on it. There's actually not a great, there's not a not great song on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's really an incredible debut. Way to kick it off. It's interesting. I was looking at um, the, the guy who produced it is uh, Roy Thomas Baker, who worked a lot with Queen before right. this. If you think about it, it kind of makes sense because like the, the chorus, like the good times roll, it's like very like. Queen-like, yeah. It's just. There's like a thousand voices there. You know what I mean? Well, like he worked with everybody. Cool. He worked with the Stones and Bowie and, you know, yep. T-Rex. And, you know, he was, you know, a master. But I also remember this being the first the first record that I think of as like um, my first awareness of the concept of a headphone record. Mm. You know, like this is the first time I remember like having headphones and listening to a record and like sort of hearing the way it was mixed, you know, mm-hmm. the the way they put it together and the way they sort of pan things and it's engineered and mixed. Having that awareness for that was this record for me, I think, mm. for sure. And they're from our hometown. So it, shout out. It resonates really strongly with me too. I mean, but yeah, absolutely. Perfect album. Every song is a killer and way to lead it off, Chris. Well done. Welcome back. Derek, you're up next. What would you like to... Uh... Lead off album openers. I guess I was hoping you'd pick me in the respect that my pick leads into uh, his uh, Chris's pick leads into mine, uh, in that there's some connective tissue there. Both in that we're not really we're picking not deep cuts. These are amazing songs from seminal records, from seminal bands, bands that led to so much more, and so many bands that we've chosen over you know, all these shows. I want to choose a song by The Modern Lovers, an incredibly iconic first song. The connective tissue being that the drummer in The Modern Lovers, David Robinson, became the drummer for the Cars. Obviously, Jerry Harrison from The Talking Heads in there, as well as Ernie Brooks, you know, Natick's own Jonathan Richmond. It's incredible. It's got that, you know, everybody loves a countdown. It's got that countdown, one, two, three, four, five, six, and then it goes and it just it goes. It sounds like putting your arm out the window and sort of hand surfing in the wind. Like that's what this song sounds like. It's only two chords, D chord and an A chord. Roadrunner by the Modern Lovers. Deep cuts lost and found. One, two, three, four, five, six.
favorite songs of all time and it reminds me so much of boston and it feels like it has simplicity integrity idiosyncratic personalities involved and it's got passion and it feels real as the day is long it's just great i mean he wrote this song when he was like 19. i mean it's got that that spirit and that kind of wonder and um excitement about it I was reading something on the internet. This guy from the band, The Real Kids, who was in a band with Jonathan Richmond before The Modern Lovers, was talking about like, you know, when they were kids, when they were teens, they would drive up and down Route 128 and they would crest this one hill and there would be these two giant radio towers with the beacon flashing while they were listening to the radio. And Jonathan Richmond would always get really excited and sort of like, you know, almost tear up at the sight of that because that was sort of a visual representation of what was so great about pop music and, and rock music. But I'm pretty sure when then that story, those two radio towers, the ones like right by Needham, Needham. you know, that you see from 128. WCVB. Because when I read that, I was like, those gotta be, those gotta be those two radio towers. There's a live version of this song. The Modern Lovers did like countless versions of this, but there is one version where he talks about, he, he gives a shout out to Needham and driving out on 128 to Needham. So it's yeah, the, I think 100%. This is probably like, those those same towers, yeah. It's very same. Yeah, I think this is like a drive we've all taken thousands of times. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Also, when you think about like Jonathan Richmond and like the later career that he's had and how unique it is and him doing like country songs and kids songs and he's just such a unique personality and he seems to always be following his path. Like he's not following a path that's been tread before. It just seems like he's honest and he's real. And that's so much of what I love about New Englanders is that this sense of just authenticity and straightforwardness and simplicity. And it's just, I don't know, I I think it's just such a perfect example of a way to open up a record and to like take the story of who you are and present it in a way that everyone can share, you know? Yeah. And he continues to be idiosyncratic. I can't remember whether we're talking about it here, but 
some I just saw something somewhere about Jonathan Richmond that like somebody saw some story about him, or maybe they even saw him in that Todd Haynes documentary about the Velvet Underground or something. And they realize like, oh, that's that weird guy in my town who just wanders around barefoot <laughs> through the streets playing his acoustic guitar and singing to himself. I just thought he was a crazy man. But no, he's a, a famous musician, but he's still that same youthful spirit of uh, walking down the street barefoot playing his guitar. That's a great pick. Speaking of Boston weirdos, I'm, I've got the next spot and I'm going to put another Boston weirdo into the mix because I feel like that's the theme that's been happening, uh, at least in this part of our show. I'm going to play the Pixies. And one of the things I love about the Pixies is that there's no band that sounds like them. I never heard a band that sounded like them when I first heard them. And when I think about the first album that got released, and they had a couple EPs that became an album. This is the opening of Surfer Rosa. I'm going to play a song called Bone Machine, but I just think this is another fantastic example of a band that sounds like nothing else. And when you hear this as the first song, it tells you that you're up for a ride. It's Deep Cuts, Lost and Found, Round 34. It is album openers. Here's the Pixies and Bone Machine. Chris, I know you had included Debaser from uh, Doolittle on your list. Yeah. I had thought about that too, and I had a hard time between the two because I know this 
I didn't hear this record when it first came out. I heard it afterward because Doolittle was, I think, the, the album that really introduced me to the Pixies. But yeah. I'm curious about how you felt about that song as opposed to this one and, and what your experience was with that one. That's another great option. I mean, I love Surfer Rosa, too. So uh, I'm just happy to hear any Pixies tonight. They have a tendency to kick off their albums really well. True. That's one that you've made my job easier tonight because I love every song that I sort of picked for my um, short list. And now I can take one off and not do Debaser and, and choose something else. So that's, uh, I normally would be mad, but no, I, actually you did me a solid here. You guys both had pick Pixie. I was, I was going to pick Cecilia Ann from Bossa Nova. <laughs> no, no, no. And, I, and I, I, they're all awesome songs. But it's, it's such a strange song. I mean, it's so groovy. It's so like, just gets you, but it's so goddamn weird. The lyrics are so freaking weird. It's like this, it just sounds like some, like just succession of super inside jokes about yeah weird art college students. You know, it's just like preachy preach about kissy kiss, you know. I mean, a soda. Our love is rice and beans <laughs> and horses lard. I, I, what? Um, yeah. But it's great. I love it. <laughs> you know, I love singing along to it. Yep, yep, yep. Your joy. Black Francis knows. Makes me very happy about. hearing that song. Yeah. Yeah. I, going back to listening to the Purple Tapes was such an exciting experience because you get to hear like what the raw songs were and how crazy Charles Thompson's sort of imagination was and how much, not to take away from the Pixies, but like it's a great example of when you realize how much those songs were deeply interesting and deeply compelling and catchy. And then when you hear with the band and the band's chemistry and how they play and Joey Santiago's guitar and Kim deals like bass playing and David Lovering's drums. It's like, it's just a magical combination with Charles in front, just adding his surreal worldview into, you know, I don't know, just an extraordinary expression of creativity. It's just a wonderful, wonderful record. So thanks for indulging me. Billy Federico, you get to take us forward. Where do you want to go? Oh, geez. You guys have played all Boston bands. I feel like I should do the same, although I wasn't planning on it. I should probably switch to like Mission to Burma and play Academy Fight Song or something, which would be a great choice now that I think about it. <laughs> no, I'm going to go with what I originally intended. And this was like one of the first songs that came to mind when I thought of a great album opener. Going with The Kiss from The Cure's seventh record, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, which came out our senior year, 1987. I think this just sets the tone for a record that's uh, all about extremes. You know, it's just a really menacing guitar riff and thunderous drums. And Robert Smith doesn't even sing for almost four minutes. My understanding is it's, you know, it's a song of disgust. He's just kind of disgusted with himself. And uh, they recorded it in one take. So it's a very spontaneous song. And um, I think for the whole record, they were trying to do extremes of whatever style they were performing. And this is, uh, this is a great example of that. It's The Kiss by The Cure. Deep cuts, lost and found. <laughs> Bye. 
I mean, his vocal comes in literally four minutes in, right? So we should probably <laughs> just talk about the song a bit. But one of the things I loved so much about this is this record came out in 87. We had right. all become obsessed with The Head and the Door. Like that was a record that was hugely important to us. And this is two years after, essentially, that record. And it's a double album. It's a sprawling record. I mean, it's almost like, yeah. to me, kind of like almost like Sandinista in the fact that it's trying different genres and it's oh, yeah. it's a sprawling mess of an album but it has every part of like their really interesting aesthetics and sounds and it's almost like they're accentuating each of their good ideas in a really key way like the most pop songs in many ways were on this record and the most dark songs were on this record and the more experimental songs from this record it's a really interesting record i'm curious how you guys or how you, Bill, felt when you first heard this album and having this as an opener. When we thought about this theme, or talked about this theme, this, this song immediately came to mind because it really does set a scene for this record. My understanding is Robert Smith said, I want to make the most extreme of every style I play on this record. So if it's dark, it's going to be dark. If it's going to be pop, it's going to be pop. If it's going to be fun, like Why Can't I Be You, it's going to be just a fun, crazy song. Uh, if it's going to be beautiful, it's going to be just like heaven. You know, like he... He really nailed multiple styles on this record. And it, as you said, it's sprawling, not necessarily cohesive in that way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of goofy sometimes, too. Like, yeah. you know, like hot, hot, hot or whatever. You know, like yep. some of that stuff has that sort of cure goofiness to it, too. I mean, this is probably the last important record, cure record to me. I think I'd yeah. kind of... No Disintegration for you? I know Disintegrated came... I know that came after it, but that I kind of wasn't that... I was uh, elsewhere for some reason, I, you yeah. know... I, Thing. I don't know why, but I was. Um, so this was kind of the last big, big Cure record for me. I'm with Derek on that. I, I really agree. And I think of the four sides of this record, the first side with between this and Torture, yeah, just really capture, were the last albums, Cure album to really capture the aspect of the Cure that I love the most. I agree that some of the goofy stuff or the romantic, silly stuff on this album is a little too much for me. I do remember throwing this record on for the first time and hearing this and being like, oh, I am so fucking in. <laughs> I remember playing this first album and I was like, wow, The Cure got hard. This is yeah. nuts. This was ended up probably being my favorite song on this album. I love this song. It's a killer. And I, I love that it takes so long to build. It's such a brave way to start a record. It's like, I'm gonna do a long instrumental break and by the time you get to his vocal, you've really set the tone and it's, and he just it's lets a very it out. He you lets know? it out. Yeah. It builds it. Yep. Great pick. Great pick. Rich, you're up next. What would you like to, uh, album openers? What is your selection? I am going to submit for your listening pleasure up on the catwalk by simple minds. This came out in February of 84. So I think mm-hmm. second semester freshman year for us, maybe in the entirety of the album isn't, the best Simple Minds album, but the first five songs on this album, I think. What a side A. Ooh. Up on the Catwalk, Book of Brilliant Things, Speed Your Love to Me, Waterfront, East at Easter. And then the drums that intro this song are, it's just. Another count off, right? Memorable. And no, yeah. No gainer. So yeah, I, you know, after New Gold Dream, we're pretty excited for the next Simple Minds album and it didn't uh disappoint at all this was one of the first songs that came to mind when we when you we decided on this theme so i think we've just got to let it go up on the catwalk deep cuts lost and found
I know this is like a comfortable song for this group because all of us were kind of obsessed with this band at exactly the same time. Yeah. But man, I remember how satisfying this felt because it was almost like your favorite weirdo band suddenly was able to play stadiums, like suddenly was yep. able to be huge. It validated your faith in their creativity. They were able to go big like you two. I think Steve Lillywhite produced this record and you know, you can feel the size difference of what Simple Minds did with this record, at least to me. Brilliant. And the names listed by, by Jim Kerr during the song are just a bizarre collection. <laughs> Robert De Niro, Natasha Kinski, uh, Friends of Kim Philbay, the Soviet <laughs> spy. It's like, and so many that. others. Right. And so many others. <laughs> <laughs> and he wants to join them. Yeah. What a wild song. But, oh, the, yeah. No gainer. This, this made me a huge Mel Gainer fan after this record. Yeah. And who was the bass player? Oh, Derek Forbes. Derek Forbes. He's the best. So good. Oh. We used to yeah. play this at Rich's house all the time when we were yeah. DJing. And, oh, man. This was a good Yeah. This elicits emotional response from me every time I hear it. It is Pavlovian. Indeed. We might need to take a break right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're back at the top of the deck. So, uh, oh. Chris. Yeah, you can on, uh, you can Someone from you can Boston. allow it to be a break, or you can uh, take us somewhere else. I feel almost bad playing it on a show called Deep Cuts because it's such <laughs> not a deep uh -oh. cut, but it is album openers. 
a cell phone. It's The Clash and it's London Calling from the album London Calling, 1979. Like the first album's great, but the, for my money, this is the one. The cover to me is maybe my favorite album cover with Paul Simonon like smashing his bass mm -hmm. on stage at the Palladium in New York in 1979. And to kick off an album with a track like London Calling, is really like a declaration in my mind. This is the peak of a band firing on all cylinders. You've heard it before, but you're gonna hear it again. It's <laughs> London Calling, here it comes. Because. state like how important this record was i think it never gets old either it never gets old you can listen to this record from top to bottom and it is a marvel of genres and styles and ambition when you think about like punk bands like we talked about the sex pistols you know one of our first shows and i love you know the sex pistols album but you cannot imagine the sex pistols being able to do something with the kind of range and playfulness and variety and curiosity and exploration like this record. 
this record is to me one of the great punk records of all time and and it's one of the great records of all time it's just a stunning album but even this this song in particular like lyrically it's so prescient and so unfortunately appropriate in the respect that like you know he's talking about london flooding he's talking about nuclear era you know essentially climate change stuff like ice age is coming the sun's zooming in you know wheat is growing thin i mean it's terribly appropriate given that it's a song from 79 but earth day started a long time ago so fuck it <laughs> well, hopefully we we've been trying to tell you for a long time well no, all right whoa, 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 joe, joe strummer was trying to warn you Bill Bill just muttered something under his breath, low in the mix, about... I said, hopefully we turn some people onto this record. Yeah, about my choices being too mainstream. I, I get it. I'm I think we're all falling under this tonight. Yeah, I, I love we're it. We're all you know, not... Feels like we're getting to break curfew tonight. I don't know if the cure is really, you know, I'm pretty sure that <laughs> album went platinum. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, something about this assignment has kind of... All right, we're going to start throwing stones. Has, right. has brought us to the shallow end, and I'm fine with that. The water's wins. just fine in the shallow yeah, end. Yeah, the water's yeah, just fine. There's a, lot, there's a lot of little kids peeing down here, so... It's, it's warm. I didn't realize the uh, cover of this album. I never realized the... Elvis Presley. Yeah, the Ever Elvis, Elvis the Presley. typography, Presley. yeah. Yeah. He's got his guitar, but now in the clash of smashing the guitar... Yeah. It's such a mission statement. It's pink and green. So I think it's a note perfect record. I think it's one of those albums. Yeah. Like, like I love, I have a personal soft spot for Sandinista because it's such a mess and I love messy mess. records. But I think yeah. London Calling is sort of like, it's kind of, it's hard to find a record that a band has more perfectly distilled what makes them special and interesting than London Calling by The Clash. I just think it's one of the truly great albums. Yeah, it is. Anyway, Derek, you get to take us forward. Where we All get right. To go. Well, if we're talking about The Shallow End, I'm going to keep the shallow theme and uh, choose a song by um, My Bloody Valentine from their you know incredible 1991 record, Loveless. You know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if I was super aware of Isn't Anything from 88, but I know that this record just kind of blew me away. And it was mostly due to the first few seconds of this song. This song kicks in and it was just something I had not heard before and that I absolutely loved. It was loud and it was strange and it was beautiful and it was distorted. It was just kind of everything in a way that I hadn't heard before. And I, I really loved it. And, you know, it was just Kevin Shields and Belinda Butcher just being mad scientists in the studio and inventing crazy things using sort of a tremolo arm on Jazzmaster guitar and something you called the reverse reverb and all these crazy things in the studio and driving all their producers and engineers insane doing what they were trying to do. It just really struck me and it stuck and it's great. It's the song Only Shallow from My Bloody Valentine's album Loveless. It's deep cuts. Oh, my God. 
I mean, I could just play this thing all the way through. It's, I remember seeing, I went to this live tour and I saw them live, I think with one of you guys, I would imagine. I don't know if, if Billy, if you were with me or who was with me, but I saw them in Boston. I want to say it was at the Channel or one of those places on Lens, uh, on uh, right behind Fenway Park. And you can still hear. And it was one of the loudest shows I'd ever seen. That I remember I had like, I that even got earmuffs loud. and they didn't make a damn bit of difference. The moment that this song played, that that drum beat in was one of the most ecstatic experiences of anything I've ever experienced in live music. It was just, I just remember the whole room just felt this sense of joy, like this sense of communal love. My goodness, what a fucking record. Yeah, oh. I think I've told this story before, but I saw them on a double bill with Dinosaur Jr. And, in um, Chicago, right? Was that yeah, one? Chicago, oh, yeah. yeah. Quiet show. My ears were ringing for like a week. <laughs> yeah. This album's crazy. It actually, this song, and uh, there's another song on it that I really like got their hooks at me right away, but the rest of the album took me some time mm -hmm. to like really appreciate. And now I just love all of it, but yeah. it feels so weird. Like it's like you're underwater listening to like a record that someone's playing like on the surface level right like it's got like some weird doppler effect where it's like you know an ambulance like speeding past you and just the sound is so weird and it's i love it and it's so new and revolutionary and great i love this pick i've never looked at the lyrics for this before and i love it i love i like the song even more they're talking about like sleep like a pillow sweet like a mallow like a marshmallow like because it's sort of it's almost like the cocteau twins in the respect mm. that like the actual words don't matter it's more the melody and the the feeling that it imparts more than the words but uh, i actually really like the words that, that they actually are they don't necessarily make sense but um they're great i'm always scared to click on lyrics because sometimes when you see them they it makes you like the song less Sometimes, but in this case, it was totally opposite. I loved it so much more than what I had, had imagined in my head, actually. Yeah. It's it's pretty good. Well, I got the next spot. I'm going to switch it up a little bit only because I think the, the joy that I feel in listening to My Bloody Valentine compares to the kind of joy that I heard in the first time I listened to this record. I heard the Avalanche's first album when I was at KCRW. It just showed up. I didn't know who the Avalanche's were. I knew nothing about it. I was in a little studio in the state radio station and I hit play. And as I listened to this, I felt such a sense of joy. Again, one of the highlights of my music listening experience. I just thought this was such a special album. So I'm going to play you, since I left you, the opening track from The Avalanches. It's Deep Cuts. Have a good time now. Welcome to paradise. 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 
it's hard for me to describe why, why I love this so much, but I love that there's so many musical ideas being thrown at you. Like, this is a sample record. This was released in 2000. It is an astonishing number of samples. The samples 3, are all over the place. How many? 3,500? 3,500 samples. 3,500 samples. So it's an insane. That's crazy. It's a lot it's of samples. Crazy. It's two guys essentially who built the band, Robbie Chater and Darren Seltman. They built the whole thing on Yamaha and Akai samplers. And they're Aussies, right? They're Aussies. They're from Australia. The main vocal comes from the main attractions every day, which actually has the word since I met you. And they just retitled it since I left you. Never changed the title. I never thought about it being since I met you. It's always since I left you. My world has become wonderful. I just love this thing. It's got like Daddy Rich from Rose Royce in there. It's got the Dupree's, it's got the Limit, a doo-wop hook that's in there. Uh, Lamont Dozier's uh, Take Your uh, Off Your Makeup. A dude named Klaus Wunderlich. And let's do the Latin well, hustle. It's a crazy <laughs> compilation. It's to me like a perfect example of what I love about being an eclectic music listener is that you take everything you love, you jam it together into something that's magical, and hopefully you find some joy and to me, that's what the Avalanches record was. It, to me, it was just an exploration of an imagination of record collecting and uh, curation. Just love it. What was the song, uh, Frontier Psychiatrist? Yeah, that was the big single from the record. Do they sample uh, Clint Eastwood or, or one of the Spaghetti Westerns or something, don't they? I think they do. I mean, there's a whole bunch in there. Although they were, they tend to be more kind of obscure, like whereas the gorillas went kind of, I want to say surface level, but they went yeah. more straightforward with their samples. Yeah, yeah. These guys went pretty deep. Like I started digging into the records that they sampled and it's like, these are not well-known records. Not records like, you they, have in your collection. Even Yeah, like collection. they really dug deep. Uh, one of the things I love about hip hop is the fact that it is so much a curational kind of a, an mm -hmm. experience, but to me, this one had sort of dance music as sort of like the platform for a joyous experience of just experimentation. Anyway, yeah. let's move on. Uh, Billy Federico, you get to take the next spot. Cool. Uh, well, I won't. Well, actually, this song actually is a beach song, too. I, I, I think of that Avalanche song as kind of a summery beach song. Um, and this is in a way, but it's definitely more noirish if I could use that word. By the Walkman, it's the uh, opener to their 2008 album. You and Me, and the song is called Donde uh, Esta La Playa, which I believe is Where's the Beach. It's a song that starts off with a line, it's back to the battle again today. And you would think it's, you know, something ominous, but I think it's just like the battle of the sexes. And he's on a beach vacation. Um, and I think he's getting drunk and he's having an affair and I don't think it goes well. But the Walkman, I think, are one of the best rock bands of the 2000s. This song sounds like it's almost underwater. Like a lot of their songs, it uses what sound like vintage instruments, you know, like pianos from like an old saloon and guitars that Django would have played and drums with, you know, brushes. And and then it's got the very unique voice of Hamilton Lighthouser, who's got a voice like um, Bowie described Dylan, you know, a voice of sand and glue, but he's, he's terrific. Uh, so the song sounds, starts really kind of quiet. sounds like it's kind of underwater. And then there's like cymbal crashes that kind of bring the song up. And then it sub submerges again and kind of ebbs and flows. Uh, and it really sets the tone for this, this great record called You and Me. Uh, it's the Walkman and the song is Donde Esta La Playa. Deep cuts.
should mention those for those folks who are fans of the Walkman. They are going on tour in 2023, so they are doing a whole series of dates, which I think is really exciting. Yes. I love Hamilton Lighthouser. I think his solo projects have been great, but there's a certain chemistry that exists with the Walkman, which I think is really special and unique. And uh, how are they live? I saw Hamilton play live. I've never seen the Walkman play live. Hamilton is great. You know, he's a he's a front man. You know, he's a charismatic singer and and a real personality. I've never seen the Walkman. Anyone else seen the Walkman play live? Never seen them. I saw them once really? perform on the Today Show of all places. I thought that no, I thought awesome. you'd seen them. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd yeah. love to see the Walkman. I think they're yeah. There's there. something about them like that. That certain bands like you know maybe the National has like they just have this sort of I don't know a certain presence or this certain theatricality about them that feels like a throwback to like Nick Cave or something like this, just little extra sauce that feels you know, kind sauce. of a sort has a certain intensity to it that um, is hard to do. Yeah, no, I'm glad to hear that we're touring. I'd love to see him. Yeah, I think they're going to be great. And I think they're, they're also a very, there's a unique chemistry to the band. Like as much as I love the Hamilton Lighthouser's solo projects, and he's worked with a few people over the years and put some interesting records out. There is a weird murky chemistry that exists in the Walkman that I think is really special. So I'm, I'm, I think it'll be a really great experience to see live. So, Although the only show that they're playing around here is at the Boston Calling Festival, like a big Ugh, festival. Outdoors, which last, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't need that. I'm not, I'm not doing that kind of thing anymore. Don't need that uh, noise. Yeah. Well, Rich, you get to close out the show. This is Album Openers. Nice. What is your selection for well, round two of Album Openers? I'm going to take us back to more of a visceral, res emotional response. The first album by Smashing Pumpkins, mm. first song, I Am One, I think it was released as a single maybe in 1990, 1991, we're graduating college. This song is, whenever I think of first songs, if I want to get a charge for the day, I put this album on. This, the album is Gish, uh, first album, and uh, I've got a lot of good memories to this song in this album it, it's a solid album all the way through i think it's my favorite pumpkins album so many things since then but i always go back transported back to this opening of this album it is magical i am one smashing pumpkins deep cuts
I'll be honest, I never understood this band or this particular record. Like, this was a record that left me cold. Like, I really? never... Oh, yeah, really? I never was... Tom, Tom's never not really into the rock gods, though. At all. I absolutely loved this this record. They lost me pretty quickly after this yeah. one, but yeah. this record really hit me, uh, and I really did like it. I mean, you know, he's like... Billy Corgan these days is like, I don't know, he looks like and Uncle Fester, him? and he, he looks, the Uncle Fester listens <laughs> to Joe. The guy loses a little hair and he gets called Uncle Fester. <laughs> no, on. but he's like Uncle Fester listening to Joe Rogan or whatever, you oh. know, he's, uh, I don't really care for him Barry's much these days. He's got something for the fall. We piled uh, on him before on other shows. I, yeah. We, but he kind of uh, deserves it. This was it's a great song. In my opinion, and it's not a popular one, although it is a popular one on this show. Yes. Is that this was sort of their their age. they came out of the gate like swinging and this was sort of like the best thing they did for sure for me it is yeah pound me for too. pound this is their best record me I too yeah yeah I never understood it like I felt like I, I would hear it and it's always interesting when you listen to bands that people that you love who you share music with respond to an album and you're just like. It's weird. It's almost like I don't have a taste for it or whatever. Like I just found. Did you like, like later pumpkin pump- stuff or not? Just not this album. Just doesn't like pumpkins. Nothing, Nothing for the no gourds. Pumpkins. I that's, understand that's why tonight tonight is like a big single. I get like why it's popular. I find nothing that Billy Corgan has ever done emotionally moves me. It's like it's like the cilantro of of albums for you. <laughs> there you <go. laughs> just some things taste like soap. You know, yeah. <laughs> it tastes like soap to you. That's cool. <laughs> I wish I got it because like a lot of my friends that really love the band and I have friends who like hang out with Billy and that's they're part of that social clique. Whoa. And I never got it at all. Just call him Billy. Little anyway. name drop. Never heard anyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that wraps up our, our, our thing. Let's talk about social So you won't media. be playing chair Brock in the bonus round. Is no, that no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's, let's actually switch over to uh, sort of further listening. So, Obviously, albums are really exciting. I love this theme. Like to me, this was such a joy because it, it it brought me back to how it feels to listen to a record. And I'm sure for folks who listen to the bonus show, they'll enjoy kind of our more maybe off the beaten path options that are in the bonus show. But let's go to uh, around the horn on uh, options of uh, Chris. Like, what would be your suggestion for another album that's worth exploring, and especially an opening song? Well, when I was talking about London Calling, I sort of talked about it being a declaration. And to me, it's more than a declaration. It's like a manifesto and like a howl from the streets and just like throwing down the gauntlet. And it's the perfect kickoff album uh, song from a debut album. Everyone in the band gets their moment to just introduce themselves and shine and it's nwa straight out of compton nice i just think that is like the most fucking audacious opening track ever recorded i almost so um that that would be my pick i kind of uh looked at that for a second too i know where you're coming from (laughs) gotcha derek what is your selection for uh further listening A, a great album opener for a great album yeah i mean it's sort of unfortunately the um you know, something that traffics in uh, car commercials and things like that. But um, from uh, the Stooges record, Raw Power, the leadoff uh, song, Search and Destroy. Oh, yeah. Doesn't get much better than that. Has a different feeling now. I've seen it in places where I don't want to see it. <laughs> you know, it's still undeniable. It's that's, that's a real statement there from Iggy and the Stooges. 
Search and Destroy and their uh, album Raw Power. Oh God! I, 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 well, let me let me let me move it over to. Uh, Are you ad lib? Were you going to ad lib your choice? He's going to no, pass. I, I was going to ad lib my choice. I feel like I realize I don't have really a, a good. I have to ad lib so. mine. Yeah. Yeah, Billy, why don't you uh, uh, hit yours? All right, I'm going to go with uh, the Afghan Wigs' "Black Love" from 1996, which starts off with the song "Crime Scene Part One." And the Afghan Wigs always start their albums off great. Yeah. But this one, this one again, a really dark, uh, noir, bad things are about to happen. Clearly about the ending of a life, whether it's murder or suicide, it's not completely clear to me. But uh, it sets the tone for the whole record. Greg Dooley always, when like the liner notes of uh, any album would always be like, shot on location in New Orleans or something. So he always thought of it, I think, cinematically. Yeah. And I think he set up his records that way too. Like there's an opening shot and it sets the scene for everything. So I'm going to recommend uh, Afghan Wigs, uh, Black Love and the opening song, Crime Scene Part One. Very nice. Chris, I'm sorry, Rich, what is your pick? I guess I'll go a little bit more uh, modern than I've been picking. The uh, And I've mentioned them before. I've played them. Idols, Joy is an Act of Resistance is just a fantastic album. Came out in 2018. And the opener, Colossus, is a banger it's they open their shows have opened their shows with it you know a couple times live stunning to witness in person but also just throw the vinyl on great album great pick i'm gonna go with tom waits underground one of the big changes in my life was the switch from uh the early records of tom waits into his swordfish trombones frank's wild years rain dogs window and to me like he he became my favorite artist, I think, in that time period. Like, I just felt like he was doing something that was so experimental, so exciting, so unique. And that record and that opening of Underground is such a statement of like, I'm not going to do the sort of ramshackle, like, you know, late night drinking bar songs anymore. I'm going to do something new. And to me, the record and that song is a statement. Underground from Swordfish Trombones would be my pick for that. Let's talk about social media. So, Billy, where can you find us if you are a fan of the show? Sure. Uh, well, hopefully uh, you'll check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can find us to search for Deep Cuts Lost and Found. And of course, if you want more, check us out on the bonus round, which we do on Patreon. We'll be doing one more round. Each of us gets to go around one more time. We'll do a quick vote now where the winner will get to start off the bonus round with their favorite opening track. And so uh, check us out. Leave a review. Great. And a big thank you to Paolo Grassini and yes, thank uh, Paul. his amazing production work on this episode. Strongly recommend you check out his uh, podcast, The Song Will Go On, in the Gigawatts platform. We are certainly enjoying being in our new home, and I think if you've enjoyed the, the quality control that's been added to our show in the last few, Paolo Grassini is the man to, uh, to thank for that. Let's rattle off really quickly the songs that we played in this show. Again, the show is uh, Round 34, Album Openers. Chris opened it up with The Cars, Let the Good Times Roll, from their debut album, self-titled The Cars. Derek came in with The Modern Lovers from their debut album, self-titled The Modern Lovers, and the song Roadrunner. Uh, I came in with The Pixies and their debut album, Surfer Rosa. Bone Machine is the name of the song. Billy came in with The Cure and the song The Kiss from Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. Rich came in with Simple Minds up on the catwalk from their wonderful record, Sparkle in the Rain. Chris came in with The Clash, London is Calling from their album of the same name. Derek came in with My Bloody Valentine, Kevin Shields' wonderful project. Only Shallow is the name of the opener 
from Loveless, which is, I think, an EP, not a full record. Am I correct about that? Full record. Full record. Full record. My bad. Okay. And it's also London calling. We're not calling it London is calling anymore. Yeah, that was weird, Tom. You had like a drug <laughs> pill for a second. Did I really say London is calling? <laughs> Chris came in with The Clash. London is calling from their album of the same name. Okay, thank you for catching that. Yeah, well, that's you know the original. That's what they're referencing. Probably London is calling. I don't, right, right. The Beatles, right. Abbey Street. <laughs> right. <laughs> Way to save them, Derek. Yeah, thank you. Um, I came in with the Avalanches and their song "Since I Left You" from their album of the same name. Also a debut. Billy came in with the Walkman "Donde Esta La Playa" from You and Me. You records into their uh, discography. And Rich closed out the show with Smashing Pumpkins, I Am The One from their album, Ish. I believe it's I Am One. Oh, I Am One. Sorry, my bad. Thank you. What He's going to start like removing. He's throwing in excess verbs yeah. and articles like they're going out of style. I, do you smell know. toast? You don't smell toast, right? No, yeah, exactly. I think... <laughs> Is there, are you, do you taste a penny in your mouth right now? There's a, there's a taste of metal. I'm not sure what it is. I feel like I'm in Chernobyl and I've been hanging out a little too close to the reactor trying to clean up. What's this rock? All right. On that note, I will then lead us to the vote. Are you guys all ready to, to vote? Ready. All right. Three, two, one, hit it. A true and a three. We have no winner. Hold no, on. What is going on? We possible? keep having this. Last week we had a four way tie. Tom got two. Yeah, okay. Tom got two. Bone Machine. Two votes, right. different so Derek songs. Voted, Derek voted Bone Machine for Tom. I picked The Kiss for Fido. Bill picked Up on the Catwalk for Rich. Tom picked London Call. London is My- calling for me. <laughs> My clashes. Bone Machine uh, giving Tom, pushing Tom over the edge. On that note, on behalf of Billy Federko, Rich Air, Chris Nashawadi returning from his uh, his hiatus from us, Derek Brain and myself, Thomas Golovich. Such a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the show. Album openers is the theme, round 34. Uh, if you got other themes, please send us a message through social media. We'll catch you all soon. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be back next week with a year. What year are we at? Do we know what year we're at? Is it 2001? Ah, uh, who's counting? 2001. 2001, we'll see you soon. Peace out. Peace.